can't hand you a business plan, but we can make you business wise. So sit back and learn to make stacks with the octopus of enterprise. Hi, Diana here, and today you find me at the deck just after one of my Innovate People sessions. If you want to know more about that, check out my LinkedIn. Innovation is my specific strand of work here at NTU Enterprise and a real focus for me. So I thought to myself, why not make some podcast episodes about it? After all, I am the host and that must mean something when it comes to deciding on the topics we want to discuss on the podcast, surely. Anyway, today's episode is all about innovation and more specifically, a topic also very close to my heart, innovation from the perspective of women. And like always, I got together with a couple of experts and this is what they had to say. So today we're going to begin to investigate innovation in business, a subject close to my heart, not least because of both my combined creative and business background, but because the world we're in needs it more than ever. So. It's a vast topic and today we're going to be specifically looking at innovation through the perspective of female entrepreneurs and who better to discuss this with than Asherin Sital, Innovation and Growth Specialist and Becky Valentine, co-owner and lead of sustainability, wellbeing and building health at Spenbeck. Welcome both. Welcome to the Octopus of Enterprise. How are you both doing today? I'm really well, thanks, Diana. Thanks for having me on the show. We're doing well, and it's absolutely great to be here. Thank you. That's great to hear. So my first question to you both is, what do we mean when we talk about innovation in business? Are there some myths that we need to bust before we get started on our conversation proper? Yeah, so I think the definition of innovation or the traditional definition of innovation is mainly focused on radical market disrupting tech products or services um, that make a real kind of impact that is mainly focused on kind of really large expansion or massive impact that doesn't filter down to people. So it's kind of like your big space stuff and your big drug discovery. The shiny big new thing. Yeah. Sometimes people think of innovation and confuse it with invention. And invention is the very much the new, new thing that no one's ever discovered before. And let's face it, the chances of that happening in the world is far less these days. And it's, you know, very much focused on research and development and kind of patents. So we measure innovation by patents and intellectual property that's registered as well, which unfortunately doesn't bode well for women because only 7.4% of our um, intellectual property is actually registered in the name of women. So that, if you're going on that, that's a hard indicator of innovation. It doesn't shed good light on the amazing stuff that women entrepreneurs are doing. I'd have to agree completely. I think for me, I got suckered into this innovation being big ticket items, big shiny things. And what I've taken on board over the last two, three years, particularly in response to the pandemic, is that actually it's the smaller scale almost behind the scenes that is as important, if not more so. And that is innovating, doing something different, finding a a smarter way to do something or changing your processes to make you more effective and efficient. That's innovation. It doesn't have to be sort of front facing, shiny, award winning. It's all about the creativity within your business or, or within what you're trying to achieve. And that I found really enlightening and also very empowering. 
I, I would never have thought of myself as, as innovative or, or creative, really. But actually, in that context, I'm not doing too badly. So I'm really pleased with that. <laughs> so when was the sort of spark of, you know, actually what I'm doing here is being innovative? How did that come to you, Becky? It came in a variety of ways. I think primarily actually through my uh, innovation and growth specialist who made me realise that that's what I was doing. I hadn't considered it in that way because I was so focused on what we've just discussed about, you know, the shiny new thing. Uh, but also doing the MBA where it was made very clear to a number of us in the room who felt that we weren't in creative roles, that actually creativity innovation comes in all manner of ways and that we need to start reframing how we discuss it and look at it in that way that, you know, if we're coming up with all these new ideas, new processes, that is innovation. And then we got a quote from the man of the moment, Elon Musk, you know, where he said, you know, if you're not failing enough, you're not innovating enough. And that mm. really resonated with me because I thought that's almost like the green light. Just go for it. What, what does it matter? As long as you're not bankrupting your company in the meantime, actually, what have you got to lose? And that really hit home to me. It made me think, OK, I can do this. It's really interesting. We recently released an episode around failing in business. And what you just said there is very similar about, you know, embracing failure. So um, if you haven't listened to that, you can have a listen. I'm flagging backwards to that one. Um, and you mentioned your innovation and growth specialist who was and is Ashreen. So tell us, Ashreen, about how you two met and also what being an innovation and growth specialist for Becky actually means. Becky and I met on the MBA program at Nottingham Trent University and um, the relationship has flourished into a friendship, a business relationship where we work together to look at opportunities for Spendback, uh, diversifying, looking at building the profile of Spendback, but Becky as well. So I think as women, um, you know, we tend to think of innovation as an external concept where we apply it to our business or we're applying it to business processes. And yes, that's great. But you can look at innovation from a personal perspective as well. So when I look at myself and I think if I'm helping businesses to be innovative, I need to be innovative in my own personal approach as well. And I think Becky and I have been aligned on that and we've inspired each other to reflect in that way and look at our personal innovation and our personal effectiveness in one of the main aspects would be how we use the MBA and how we are putting in practice things that we've learned, but also how we think and how we are approaching our different mindsets on specific areas of business, of our personal interactions, on our impact on the world, on how we're creating social value. So it's been an incredible journey for us. I'm really interested to know a little bit more about Spenbeck because your job title, Becky, has sustainability, well-being and building health. That's quite an unusual job title and a really interesting combination of things. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? I certainly can. It's it's come as a result of the diversification that we've been doing and also the innovation in Spenbeck as a response to the pandemic. Um, just before we went into the first lockdown, we changed our strategic position to be focusing significantly on sustainability. I just learned about the Sustainable Development Goals and it really spoke to me about how we could not only improve our own business operations, but how we could gain competitive advantage by supporting our tenants, our incoming tenants, to meet what we recognise would be increasing ESG criteria. So for me, focusing on the SDGs and a holistic approach to sustainability naturally rolls into well-being. When we're talking about well-being, we're talking about sort of company well-being, employee well-being, client well-being, environmental well-being, 
the community well-being because if we're taking care of our environment our business environment in the lace market then we're helping the lace market community the creative quarter community so it feels like the natural bedfellows and then the building health aspect has always been a big passion of mine and through innovation we've now developed this building health consultancy and that's about optimizing your physical environment of the building in which you are in so an office or a school to really positively impact on the mental and physical well-being of the people within that building um and so for me they are perfect bedfellows they are symbiotic building health very much supports holistic um, achievement and sustainability and both achieve well-being for as i said the occupants and the environment in which we're in so it is a mouthful but it also makes me very focused on everything I do through those three lenses, which makes me very happy. Fabulous. There is so much that I want to explore there. And it's really interesting that Spenbeck, you could go, Spenbeck is a property company. It's about mm. estates. It's about buildings. But actually, all that you've described there is that it's about people. It's about supporting people. And it's really interesting. The strand of work that I'm developing, the group of people that are coming along on a bit of a journey with me I've called it innovate people because when I explored innovation to begin with like Ashreen said at the beginning it's about those collaborations those contacts with others what you're doing as an individual and it's not really about the things it's about the people to me I completely agree and in that statement, Becky, you know, we bring out what the modern definition of innovation is and should be. It's nuanced, it's influenced by personal experiences, it's multidimensional, it's not just one thing, it's a mindset. And people approach it in different ways. And that's where the creativity comes from. And that's where the new ideas come from. Um, so it's really important to see it as a very kind of individual thing. And it's within us and each and every one of us have that capacity to apply it to how we do things at home, how we approach our jobs, how we approach looking for a new job, for example. You know, so it can be embedded within everything we do. And I'd like to provoke people listening to this podcast to kind of like think in that way and to really reflect on how they approach their own personal innovation. Picking up on the mindset point that Ashreen made, one of the things that I really took to heart when I learned about a couple of years ago was the 2018 research about what holds women back. And it was almost like my own personal tick list, um, which wasn't great because there's 12 of them. But a couple of points that Ashley made earlier and just just there about mindset, about not levering relationships and failing to enlist allies. You know, without Spenbeck particularly, because we are female led, I co-own it with my sister, second generation. It's very much female mindset, which until recently was that almost bubble and that reticence and we didn't enlist allies and we built our relationships but we didn't leverage them feeling that that actually wasn't the right thing to do but now particularly with Ashreen's help and some other external support that's allowed us to become more creative and flourish in what we're doing because we've done that and I keep saying it which I feel perpetuates the problem maybe but I keep saying I'm going to be less female <laughs> because actually we've had quite a number of discussions about the fact that we are too female and we do hold ourselves back and actually no one else is holding us back it's us and as I've been less female about it that's given me almost the excuse the affirmation to go yes you are now allowed to be more innovative and it's about how we allow women to get out of that you know you, we talk about maybe the barriers to it how do we do that and that's where Ashreen's specialism I think really comes in we're not talking at it as two females on one level but actually we absolutely are does that mean actually that you're not being less female that you're being more female I ask 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, if we go back a bit um, and we just understand how we are socialized. So when we look at business, for example, um, business, it's a male construct. It's still dominated by men. And when you look at innovation and when you look at success, the male kind of um, indicators of success are rapid expansion and highly competitive approach to taking risks that achieve that rapid expansion, for example. So if you look at businesses that scale, it's mainly male founded, male led businesses that are scaling. Um, when you look at women, so women are more socialized to have um, incremental impact. So we take less risks and the impact that we focus on is more about interpersonal relationships and it's more about achieving social impact. So impact on others, creating social value. And that's how we measure success. So if you kind of compare the two, it's a very different landscape and the socialization of how we approach things is very different from male to women. And the other thing is that males usually operate in high productivity sectors where there's more opportunity to achieve the kind of traditional innovations, the market disrupting tech, all of those kind of invention stuff. Whereas women tend to set up businesses in what is considered low productivity sectors. So creative sectors, the care sector, the service industry, where it is perceived there's less opportunity to actually be innovative and to achieve any level of innovation. However, when you apply that kind of modern definition of innovation being multifaceted and nuanced and, you know, looking at how we think and how we adapt our processes and diversify, women are really, really, really innovative. We are more open to creative processes. We are more open to doing things in new ways and creating new products. So that kind of like gender divide is really interesting when you look at innovation in that context. Text. And obviously it is worth mentioning that we are talking in stereotypes. Stereotypes are always shorthand, but your research and the figures you mentioned at the beginning about intellectual property mm. are actually evidencing some of that within this landscape. So it's not like we're just kind of making assumptions based on no evidence whatsoever. Absolutely. And that's why there are programs for women in innovation. That's why there are programs for women in tech, for instance, because yeah. those opportunities aren't there. You know, I completely agree in terms of the radical stuff, the kind of uh, big bang stuff, the highly inventive stuff. If you look at the small steps that are taken to achieve that major impact or that major new product or tech processes. There are loads of women in that pipeline, but when it comes to who's achieved that, it's usually a man. Um, I also just wanted to talk a bit about what you briefly touched on in terms of the programs that are out there to support women in innovation. And this is something I encourage all businesses to do. It's to look at collaborative innovation. Now, collaborative innovation or Open innovation means that you open yourself and your business up to outside agencies. So accessing support from universities, accessing support from Innovate UK, the growth hubs, uh, the Chamber of Commerce. So there's a full ecosystem of support available there. And I don't think women take full advantage of that support. Um, you know, I would absolutely encourage women to immerse themselves in these business support ecosystems because they are there to help. They are funded programs and they can achieve a lot of impact within women-owned businesses. And I'd just like to add to that, as I said at the start, innovation for me has been a relatively recent development in my mindset or recognition that that's what I was doing. And we did dip our toe in the water of external support, but if it wasn't for people like Ashreen, 
it kind of has a snowball effect. Once you've had some external support, the, the people she's been able to connect us to and leveraging her own network has just really had a snowball effect of innovation. We are just far more innovative as a company. I think, you know, one of the barriers to accessing business support as well for women can come down to the confidence issue. So because business is this male construct, when women enter it, there is initially a feeling of, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing or or a lack of self-confidence, if you wish. And um, because of that, they tend to or we tend to try and shed our femininity because we are the odd one out. And we almost embrace this image of being an honorary man where we shed all our feminine characteristics, change the way we dress, and we try to achieve success through this cloak of invisibility. So if we become invisible, we blend in more and we become more one of the guys and maybe our success and our credibility will be achieved through those means. And that can be incredibly lonely because not only are you changing your identity, becoming inauthentic, but you're kind of lonely in that space. And actually, now that, uh, you know, I've been talking to women about this, a lot of women go through that process and there's a lack of awareness that other women have been through that process or are currently going through it as well. Once you have that kind of light bulb moment and you realize, actually, this is not just you, most women go through that process. It can be quite liberating in the yeah. fact that <laughs> you, you, know, you can access support and you can access mentoring and you don't have to do it alone. So, yeah, just, you know, just want to provoke thinking and raise some awareness on that front. I'll tell you about, ooh. I was going to say 10 years ago, it's probably more than that when I went to a a networking event um, and it was in the summer and I turned up in a lilac linen dress and I looked around and there was a sea of grey and black. Apart from actually one man, a, a wonderful man who used to wear in the summer a cream linen suit and um, a beautiful Panama hat. And I actually, <laughs> I went to talk to him and said, we seem to be a little bit odd ones out in this (laughs) and both men and women were wearing the uniform of traditional business but I recognized that if I was going to be in a network then the network had to serve me yeah that one wasn't necessarily helpful for me and then I've sought other ones and you know there are women's networks in Nottingham such as Blue Stockings Um, we've had events at our Dryden Enterprise Centre as well where it's not the usual suspects. It's not a particular sort of um, homogenous crowd that actually one of the things that will feed innovation is diversity, isn't it? Of people, of opinions, of thought. And certainly in terms of the Innovate People group that I've got, the people that I've attracted to the space are those that are willing to be in maybe an uncomfortable place at some points, to be a bit vulnerable. I guess, to trust each other, to have a conversation in that space around what that innovation means for them. And I think when you talk about, you know, accessing the support that's there and being part of that conversation and collaboration, there is an element of um, being vulnerable. I think picking up on both those points for me, just listening to what you're saying, it's about I feel now more I own it. I have more confidence in myself to just go out there, either in my company or networking or any sort of associated activity to just go, this is me. This is what I'm trying to achieve. If I fail a little bit, really doesn't matter. This is the goal I'm trying to pursue. And so like you say, you know, to turn up in a sea of suits and to be the odd one out is not the odd one out. It's to be the best one there. 
because you're not part of the homogenous group. And I think for women, we are becoming less apologetic about Mm. that because we're starting to hear that there are others like it. And therefore, we are becoming more confident in who we are and the diversity of creativity that we have. Being authentic allows you to achieve more. And I find myself being far more creative and innovative because I'm being more honest to myself about who I am, what I can achieve, what I can't achieve, and therefore what I need to access in terms of external support be that women's only networks, be that networks for everybody. I think there's a great range. My only concern is that we as female entrepreneurs start to pigeonhole ourselves almost back into women's only. And I think they absolutely have their place. And sometimes I get quite grumpy thinking, oh, you know, are we kind of going backwards by having women only things? But then you hear all the stats and you go, absolutely not. We've still got a long way to go. I just think the visibility of us now is really exciting so that we can draw on that. We can find the strength we can see what the structural issues are that are creating barriers and are now starting to work i wouldn't blame men you know completely for this otherwise it becomes like a a bra burning session that's not what it's about but it is that we are starting to make a difference and i think it's really positive to see that because that drives more innovation in people it gives women the strength and conviction to go we can do this ourselves That's a brilliant point to end on. I feel empowered, I have to say. Um, I've never needed the shoulder pads that were common in the 80s because I have fairly Amazonian shoulders anyway. And I always like a bit of an Amy Cuddy Wonder Woman stance when I'm not feeling it. So hands on hips, be Wonder Woman and, you know, be empowered is a great... A great thing to end on. Sadly, that's all that we have time for today. So thank you, Ashreen and Becky. And thank you for listening. I must admit, I'd rather enjoyed talking innovation today. And there's so much more scope for talking about this. Maybe some more episodes are coming. Um, That's it for today's. I'm Diana Pasek-Atkinson. And you've been listening to the Octopus of Enterprise. (laughs) 